Real Talk with Grace Redmond features conversations with fierce and fabulous people from Grace's community and circle who inspire others with their stories of overcoming challenges to create amazing. Grace is an entrepreneur and success coach who works with individuals to diminish their negative mental chatter, boost their confidence, achieve their goals, and increase their prosperity mindset. Get ready for a series of Anything Goes Conversations with remarkable men and women that will get you jazzed for life's unlimited possibilities of success, freedom, and fun. Welcome to Real Talk with Grace Redmond. Hey loves, it's Grace Redmond. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Real Talk where I get to have real life raw conversations with incredible people from my circles and communities who have overcome challenges and created fabulous. Today, I'm super excited to host my incredible guest, Nish Menon. Nish is a lead strategist at the Consultment Agency, a company that helps businesses build and nurture relationships with their customers through rich storytelling and meaningful conversations. Nish has called many countries his home from Dubai to India, to Singapore, before moving to Arizona when he was 15. He graduated from the W.P. Carey School of Business from ASU. After spending some time in the finance world, he transitioned to the realm of digital marketing because of its capacity for creativity and connection. He resides in Arizona and is getting married this November. He's passionate about his faith, his loved ones, and doing it for the men's. What an intro. <laughs> That's you. No. <laughs> Boom, what an intro. It sounded like a marketing oh. expert wrote that or something. I don't know. But that's you. So yeah. I've learned some. First of all, what are MEMS? Do for the MEMS. So this is a phrase that me and my boys coined. And MEMS is short for memories. Mm -hmm. And really what it does, uh, really what it is, is it speaks to a spontaneous kind of lifestyle. Um, and always looking for an opportunity to do something out of the ordinary mm -hmm. for the sake of the memories, you know, and capturing it. And that's ultimately what helps, you know, enrich friendships and just enrich, I think, your quality of life, too. Oh, absolutely. And I love that because memories are priceless. And one of the favorite things um, for my friends and I to do is when we get together and we talk about all of, you know, the memories and I pull out the pictures and it's a shit show. Yeah, and, 100% is, yeah. You know, and it's so fun. And there's one, I, I think you might, I might have told you this before. There's one regret I have in my life that I focus way too much on work and school in my younger years mm. that I don't have as many fun memories as they do. Mm. So I'm all for the memes. Now it's all about making memes. It's all about the memes. And it's about kind of becoming an evangelist for the memes as well, right? Letting people know that, hey, let loose, enjoy yes. life, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because when we're in a higher vibration of joy and love and laughter and enjoying ourselves, everything else flows so much easier. Absolutely. So much easier. So super interesting that you grew up in some really incredible countries, Dubai, India, Singapore. I mean, such rich cultures. Tell me a little bit like what, what was your tell me a little bit like how that transpired. What was your family? You just traveling? Were they in the air? What, what was what was that? Yeah, so born in Dubai because my dad worked on an oil rig out mm -hmm. there uh, in the UAE. Uh, I think it was Kuwait, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, born in Dubai. And for the first five years, I lived there 
with my mom and my pops, and then we moved back to India, where they're originally from. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they got divorced when I was five, so you know, already kind of had that weird little like, oh, I see my dad, but I don't see my mom as much. Mm -hmm. And my dad had custody of me too. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I was 13, my mom had a job opportunity in Singapore as you know, the director of marketing stuff. So she went there first, started scoping it out. Um, and I lived with my grandparents at the time in India. Finally, after she was established, she, she flew me over, lived there for three years. And then in 2005, I believe I moved to Arizona uh, and that was because my mom had met somebody, you know, and uh, they got married. So moved, moved to AZ, been in the U.S. ever since, been in AZ ever since. Um, don't think there now. Yeah. Still yeah. There. Still here. Yeah. Um, establishing, I'm about to establish my own family soon. Yes. Here. I'm so excited for you. I'm yeah. so excited for you and Sam. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So living in, you know, those three different countries, did you ever, you know, what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? I mean, being surrounded, like your dad was on the oil rig, your mom was in marketing. I'm sure there were so many other amazing um, uh, professions that were around you. What Did you have an idea of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Uh, I did, though it wasn't really solidified in reality. Uh, I don't know why I was obsessed with becoming an astronaut when I was like. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just shoot for the stars type stuff. Um, but. I didn't, I mean, so I, I think the, the cultures were different. So India was all about, it's very scholastic oriented, right? So it was, it was rote memorization for everything, do well in school, get great grades. Uh, the, you know, the teachers were kind of like the overlords of the system. Um, so yeah, you basically committed everything to memory and the plan was you either go into the, the pre-med field or the engineering space. And this was before computer science took off. Um, but that, that was basically it. You only had two options, right? Um, Singapore was super cool as well. I was there for middle school. Um, and Singapore is like this, like utopia almost, right? It's, it's this, it's That's smaller. Yeah, it's its own country, but it's like smaller than, you know, it's probably the size of the valley here. It's smaller than most U.S. states, um, but very modern. The in infrastructure and the transportation, everything incredible. Singapore was really cool, but it, it still felt like um, you didn't have the opportunity to manifest whatever you wanted to as your profession or as your job and things like that. So like if you wanted to be an artist, for example, whether from the uh, the musical space or even, you know, from the painting space, whatever, you couldn't just do that. You know, there was still, still kind of like set guidelines that you had to adhere to. Uh, and then when I moved here, it was on the complete opposite end of the spectrum where it was all freedom, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I really enjoy about the US is the individual is sovereign right? The individual, it comes down to the individual and uh, whatever you want to do, you can go ahead and do it as long as there's a will, there's a way. And that's what I, having experienced so many different cultures, I can honestly say that the American dream is still alive. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yes. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And something that rings in my ears just is freedom. What, Absolutely. Is freedom, what does freedom mean to you when you say free? Because it has so many different definitions and so many different situations. What does it mean to you? Uh, freedom of expression, 
and expressing your truth, your opinions, what you believe in um, without, I mean, you, you can potentially get socially ostracized in today's climate, but you, without, without being like thrown in a cell, essentially. That's true. Yeah? That's true. So you're right. We still have the freedom to say whatever we want to say. Doesn't yeah. mean we're not going to get bashed for it, but we're definitely not going to get thrown in, in a jail cell for saying those things. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. could get censored, yeah. um, but we're not going to get thrown in jail. So, and and what does freedom mean to you um, in a business sense, in the life sense? Uh, innovation, like the innovation and the evolution of how business is done. So that happens on so many different levels. So it could happen uh, at a business processes standpoint where we, we've got better software, we've got um, better ways of doing things, whether that's from a logistical standpoint, supply chain standpoint, relationship standpoint, and then also freedom to, to innovate um, and think about, especially with social media and digital marketing, to to share your story with your target customers in different formats and different ways. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm sure you may have heard of him. Totally. Yeah, uh, super motivational guy, but very intelligent dude as well. And he talks about attention, right? So you go wherever the attention is. Um, if there were things that were tried and true in the past and we're still doing it simply because of tradition. However, the attention isn't there. You're shooting yourself in the foot and you're really hamstring yourself, you know? True. And so the beauty, and I think technology has a lot to do with this as well. I think it's uh, intricately intertwined with business is the more technology advances, the same with business because it creates more opportunities for conversations and meaningful engagement and really meaningful solutions to people's problems. Cause that's what business is. Chelsea mentions that all the time. She yeah. says the, the objective, Chelsea, for those of you who don't know, is the CEO of consultant agency, the agency I work at. She talks about how the objective of business is not to make money, it's to solve people's problems. So, yeah. I, I love that because I, I, talk, I think I talked about this on a podcast with Melissa um, Concorder last week. I said it's, you know, of course we're going to business we look at the bottom line, but there was a point where I stopped looking at the bottom line. And for me, it was about the service and building that relationship. Mm -hmm. It's about relationships. It's not just about the money. The money is a byproduct of providing service, helping your clients and building that relationship. Absolutely. And and the thing is your target, your target customer is going to know that and they're going to sense that. Absolutely. Um, there, there are a few core marketing lessons that I've learned uh, just in my brief time with consultment. And, and we can touch on that later on in this conversation, but it basically talks about how people don't buy what you sell, people buy what you believe in, right? Because it's a shared belief. And I also wanna add something, and you tell me how you, you know, if this resonates for you, people buy based on how you make them feel. Mm-hmm, yeah. 100%. And, and, it, and it goes, you know, it goes back to energy. Like, you know, like, I don't want to use this um, term, but um, 
back in the day we say, oh, you know, that's like a used car salesman and nothing against, you know, car salesmen, but it's just about the energy and how you feel when you're being, you know, approached. But like now, like you said, like we have technology. And when I started a business 22 years ago, you had to go out to be face to face with the client. Now we can reach, you know, millions through Facebook Live, through Zoom, through through the Internet. It's it's changed the business climate um, dramatically in a, yeah, in a great way. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with uh, a lot of it is feeling too, because it's very, it's sometimes it's as basic as how you make somebody feel, you know, on an emotional level way before, like you can list all the pros and all the cons. You can get very logical in your layout and very rational in listing here are the benefits. Right. Yeah. But it's ultimately when once you tap into the internal dialogue and the internal challenge that your customer faces, mm -hmm. um, it surpasses the realm of logic. Right. Absolutely. And it taps, it taps into that deeper part. So, yes, absolutely. Which brings me, as you say, we tap into that deeper part. Um, you mentioned faith, you know, that, that faith means a lot to you. What does faith mean to you and what do you do to deepen your faith? Absolutely. Uh, so faith for me is, so I grew up in India and basically by default, I was part of the Hindu religion, even though as a child, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't really like a practicing Hindu, you know, right? I went to temple and everything like that, um, though I didn't really quite understand the relationship that I have with God it was more of kind of like this metaphysical force that, okay, just kind of comes with the territory of life. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just buy into it because I buy into it. Um, I was challenged with my, with my belief in God when, and this is still when I was in India, my dad passed away when I was 10. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so that was, that was a pretty rough, rough patch in my life uh, a little bit. And what's kind of interesting is I remember, uh, the very first question I had for my dad's dad, so my granddad, you know, at, at the wake was, why did God do this? Right. So instantly, like I had this this um, former thinking where I was accusing this metaphysical force, the, the creator of all things of like taking away a loved one, um, even though I wasn't that deep in relationship with God. Um, and then I became agnostic for a while, became atheistic for a while. Um, when I first moved here, I didn't want to really believe in anything. Um, and my mom was going through a very tough time as well. And, you know, it was just her and I in this brand new country. We didn't really have friends, family, know anybody on a deeper, intimate level. Um, so, so that happened, that kind of almost um, solidified my non-belief for a little bit. And what's interesting is when my mom and so her husband at the time, they started going to counseling, like marital counseling, mm -hmm. uh, and there, it was irreconcilable. However, the counselor, like receptionist, I believe, or the administrator in the office, um, she, she, she is a Christian and she invited my mom and she was like telling my mom about, Hey, like you're going through a lot of shit right mm -hmm. now. And, you know, at the time we, we didn't even have our green cards. Mm -hmm. So the, the divorce was shaping up to be 
uh, pretty rough because essentially the guy could basically kick us out on the curb and then we'd be deported. And then the question is like, deported where? You know, we're not going back to Singapore. We're going back to India and then we got to rebuild and everything. So it was a weird situation. Oh, that's so tough, challenging. Yeah, yeah and I, I was like 16 at the time. So like prime years for me to go yeah. through this freaking, you know, crisis. Um, yeah, so so the lady invited my mom to start building a relationship. And ultimately, when uh, the divorce happened and the separation happened, we that her family took us in. So the Christian lady and her family took us in. Yeah. They put us up for free. And, and she was just like, listen, you're uh, you're totally fine just staying here till you guys get back on your feet. Mm -hmm. um, all that. Um, I was still I was still kind of very like skeptical and wary about their beliefs. You know, so I was just like, uh, cool. Um, that sounds good. Really appreciate your, your graciousness and all that. Um, we we kind of like started going to church with them, like intermittently. And the way I saw it, I saw it as like a quid pro quo, uh, even though they, did, they didn't intend it like that. But I saw it as a as a as an exchange because I'm like, OK, you're letting us live with you. You're taking care of us, basically. So, all right, I'll go to okay. church. I'll come to church. Yeah. And, uh, and my mom like was a devout Hindu. So mm -hmm. she still like abided by that and accommodated that. So I started going to church and, and then one night we were in the living room, uh, of their house and they were just kind of talking about Jesus, talking about the love of God and all that. And then my mom pipes up and she's like, yeah, Jesus is amazing. God is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what are you talking about? Right. Like, I was shocked. You know, you're, you know, like I said, you didn't, not a believer. Not a believer at all. Yeah. And the reason why I had that, that uh, reaction is because uh, my mom, once again, was a devout Hindu. And I thought she was basically succumbing to what this family, quote unquote, wanted or whatever. And I had a one on one conversation with her. And I'm like, listen, you don't have to you don't have to sell out of your beliefs, you know, for anybody like, listen, they're incredible people. They're kind people. They're putting us up, but you don't have to give your beliefs up just to impress anybody else. Cause that's where I was in my mind. I was like, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then she talks to me like very real. And she's like, listen, no, I had an experience with the living God and oh, I believe in, you know? Yeah. And she's like, I believe in Jesus and, and he's it. He's the one I've been searching for this entire time. I was this angry teenager. I was pissed off. I was like, you have no idea what you're talking about. All right, cool. So, you know, uh, fast forward, I think a few weeks or whatever, we're at church again. Um, and like all the adults were like in the main sanctuary. Uh, and then the kids were in like the youth group section in a different building. And my mom signed up for choir, right? So she was the one singing at church service and all that. Um, and then I remember someone saying like, Hey, it's your mom's first time singing up there. You want to go, you like see her, you know, just to, to see what it's like. I'm like, all right, cool. So I, I end up showing up, um, and the church is packed. Right. And, uh, there's definitely like 200, 300 plus people in there. I'm at the back by the doors. She's in the pulpit just singing. And I have this weird experience, right? This, this like spiritual epiphany of sorts. Um, she's just singing her heart out. And I like for the first time I see her clearly and it seems like all the people in uh, in the pews completely just blurred out of my vision and just seemed like it was me, my mom. Um, and she was illuminated from the inside out. So, so it, it seemed like she was shining from the inside out. Um, and 
and then and then this question popped up and i first of all goosebumps everywhere while i was while this was happening and i was like kind of like suspended in this time or suspended in the space outside of time right for a little bit and it probably only happened for a few seconds and then the question popped up and it's like what if all this is actually real right and then as soon as that question pops up i'm like back in the present back in reality and i'm like that was weird right that was I, like i got chills and i'm feeling emotional that's i mean yeah that spirit moving through you yeah 100 percent you know, so like that question popped on was super interesting. So now like I'm a devout believer, like I'm, I'm team Jesus. Right. And I, uh, that kind of like prompted me to start considering this, the nature of God, right. Perfect love, unconditional love. Yes. Um, and then I, uh, yeah, I just kind of like, I got baptized when I was 17 and everything. So I had kind of like the Christian title, but there was still a lot that was missing. Like I didn't understand what it meant to be in relationship with God and with Jesus and who is this Jesus. Um, and then I, like, I think it was like during college where I was like, maybe I should start taking this thing more seriously instead of just, you know, being a nominal, you know, Christian, whatever that means. I don't want to be one of those, one of those quote unquote Christians that like, if I have to answer a survey, I, I check off Christian, but my lifestyle doesn't really look like it. And I don't actually believe in it, you know? Um, so I started, I started asking the questions. I started like growing a, a little deeper in my faith. Um, and then I came across a, uh, a YouTube video by a, uh, by a pastor and my mom put me onto him. His name is Dan Moeller. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was like, yo, you got to listen to this guy. He's got a bunch of revelation. So I pull up a video. The first one, well, most of his videos are like an hour and a half, two hours long. And then I finally found one that was about eight minutes long. Yeah, that would um, be me too. Yeah. I was like, I'm not, I'm not, if this is the first time I'm watching the guy, I'm not committing two hours. Um, and then I, I found a video that was eight minutes long and it's, uh, it was titled uh, the gospel straight up, no additives. And I, I oh. turned it. Yeah. And I turned the video on and granted, so I'm like 22, 23 at the time. So I was baptized when I was 17. So I was already like about five years into Christianity, right? This, uh, the new faith that I ascribed to. And then the guy started talking about just like intimacy and relationship with God, like profound, radical relationship with God, where he's like, listen, I'm God's son and I've got a heavenly father. And like, like, like he is not somebody who um, talks to me from an authoritarian standpoint. He doesn't make me feel like crap. In fact, I'm the one who makes me feel like crap because I'm always, I'm always living under this yoke of a lack of identity. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And it's like, that's what I was kind of struggling with the, the whole time. Right. This concept of, of sin and this concept of like, lack of and like oh i'm so fucking broken i'm gonna be broken all my life and oh Here. right you're right like like i'm gonna be broken all my life but thanks be to god because his grace will save me and sustain me but i was like there's something missing there has to be something more right i don't want to just remain a sinner um and he was talking about he's like you're no longer a sinner christ came right he's divorced you from that identity and guess what you're a brand new child of god so receive this love, become this love, and then pour out this love to everyone you interact with. So it was like, when I heard that, that was like the wildest epiphany went off. And I was like, now I actually get it. 
you know, like it's a matter of like what identity am I living by today and this morning? That's right. right? So that's a uh, yeah, real short story for you. No, I, and I love that because you know, um, you, I'm very spiritual and um, I, I believe in God and I love Jesus and I I believe like in the universe. You know that about me. Yeah. And it's it's like you said, like it's about it's about love, unconditional love for ourselves and for others because we're all connected. And I love how you said, you know, um, you know, I'm feeling this lack. Like, why do I need to feel this lack? And I always have to remind myself that God created us in His image, mm. and if we're created in Ooh. His image, mm, preach. Then why That's is there lack? Right yeah, facts. You know? And he wants us to live a life of abundance. You know, abundance is our birthright. Love is our birthright. But mm. then we come into this, you know, we, we come into this world and then we get conditioned to society's norms. And I can go on and on. But right. I love that story because ultimately it's about, at the end of the day, just love, period. 100%. And, and, and there's something greater than us. Absolutely. And what's beautiful about that is like, love no longer is used in this like romantic sense right. and familial sense and friendship sense only it's used in the supernatural self mm -hmm. in a sense rather um so love is this metaphysical like like you said birthright so it human is. beings like what we believe is like we're so much more than just flesh and blood so much more than just the synapses firing up here, right? There's this deep spiritual supernatural nature to mankind. Yes. And we have the capacity for for the nature of God. Absolutely. Which is wild. It's so fucking ooh. It's so it's so wild. Yeah. It's so wild. Because I really truly believe that we're we are an infinite spirit that falls into this body so we can have a human experience. Because as a spirit, there's not like I, you know, I can't taste or feel. Right. We come here to, of course, learn the lessons that our soul wants to learn and, and to have this human experience. And tell me out here, I'm, I'm, I'm learning that the lack, that mindset that we're in is to help us escape that prison to get closer to God, to get closer to source. Because as long as we're stuck there, mm. we're disconnected from source. Mm. That's that God. is that is such a cool insight. That, I mean, you know, I could be crazy. Um, that's been said. <laughs> no, I mean, no, here's the thing. I I actually vibe with that a lot. So uh you're right. I think so the lack should ultimately fuel everything, right? Should fuel you towards the source of everything, should fuel your relationship. Because ultimately, if there wasn't the sense of lack, if there wasn't the sense of adversity, if there wasn't the sense of challenge, it's not really going to drive you to your first love, right? Somewhat. It's like a contrast. Yeah. It's the and, contrast. And we, so, we're not in utopia. Correct. Correct. I mean, you know, we're not unicorns. I mean, this, you know, life is challenging. Right. Um, I mean, I, I identify as a unicorn, but yes. Well, you know, I do too, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so going back what you, when you said, you know, 22, 23, and, and you still like, you were struggling with the sin, with the lack. Um, what's your perception of failure? And what, what was a failure that you had that really wasn't a failure? 
Mm. Some deep questions. Some hard-hitting questions. I vibe. Um, what is my perception of failure? I think stag stagnancy is my perception of failure. Um, kind of like the same mundane, run-of-the-mill, day-in, day-out, nothing's changed. There hasn't been any growth. Mm -hmm. uh, that's been my perception of failure. And growth can growth takes on a variety of different definitions and forms depending on the different sectors in your life. So whether it was professional growth, whether it was personal growth, whether it was spiritual growth, uh, that stag that stagnancy mm -hmm. was failure. Um, I still I still view that as failure. Um, I think if yeah, for me specifically, if if I feel like I'm not growing, that's a failure. However, that said, it's not the end all and be all judgment against me. No. And like you mentioned earlier, just a few minutes ago, it should be a reminder to basically put some wind in my sails. Mm -hmm. Give me a little kick in my ass, you know, like, hey, wake the fuck up, you know, realize who you are, realize your worth, realize your, your true identity, uh, realize like whose son you are, yeah. realize, realize like when, when it comes down to it, why are you even alive to begin with? What's the whole purpose of life? Now right? that's deep. Now you're getting deep. Yeah. Right. Right. So like, so in a sense, failure can actually be useful because it reminds you of that. And, and when it reminds you of that, then you're like, okay, now I have this choice. Well, that's a, that's a great word choice. And in the world around me growing up, you were not meant to, like, you could not fail. I mean, failure was like, you were a piece of shit. And mm -hmm. you're good. What I realized on my own journey was there really was no failure. It was failure was an opportunity to learn, to gather information, mm -hmm. to grow. Um, however, if you kept making the same failure, a mistake over and over, now that became a choice. Mm -hmm. And then you became stagnant. And so own that shit. Right. Um, but now, and we're also terrified of failure because we sometimes um, we define ourselves by the failure, which brings me to one of the things that you said that you're most proud of is that you haven't let your past define you. Yeah. Now, how did you move past that? Because so many of us get stuck in, in our failures. And, and you said, I am so proud of the fact that I haven't let my past define me. What were the steps you took to own who you are and not allow the past to define you? Yeah, that's a great question. So high key, it has everything to do with my spiritual growth. Um, I think for the longest time when I lost my dad when I was 10 years old, I kind of almost wore that as a badge slash medal of honor, right? Like look at the trauma and the loss that I've been through. Sure. Look, you know, look at look at the, the hand that I've been dealt by life and the shit that I've gone through. And it's this weird, like, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's like, you draw this sense of identity from the trauma and from the lack, right? Wait, I can relate to what you're saying. For a long time, I did the same thing. Yeah. With my, um, you know, trauma and, and my bullshit stuff. Yeah. And, and it was twisted for me because I was drawing identity from that. I was drawing identity from the fact that, you know, my parents got divorced when I was five. Drawing identity from the fact that I, you know, I was a transplant over and over again, different country, uh, you know, like, I had to start start over all all over again. Um, so so I had this realization that um, like my identity just didn't come from any of these things. And when it clicked for me was when I grew deeper in relationship with God and with Jesus and understood that. Listen, like my identity is intertwined with you. 
So like, I am no longer defined by my circumstances. I'm defined by one thing and that's your unconditional love. And you're, yeah. And like, you've never stopped loving me and you're never going to change your mind about that. So I have the privilege that, you know, when even the external is in continuous flux and continuously volatile, I get to be internally stable because I understand where that worth and that value and that rock of identity comes from. And that's where it came from. Uh, that that's honestly how I chose to divorce myself from my past and realize like, I'm not in my freaking past. You know, like it's, it's one of those things, like when people say, you know, you, you learn from your past, but you're not defined by it. And that's, that's just how I feel. I've, I've learned from it. it. It is a quote unquote part of me, but I'm not defined by it. You know? I love that answer. I love that answer. And I, I I'm with you. I used to identify with my past and, um, you know, being that, that, victim mindset and you're right it doesn't define us not it's one bit. part of us it shapes us i'm not yeah. going i don't want i'm not you know it's not going to be a race because it shaped me but mm -hmm. my like you said my circumstances don't define me and they don't have to stop me just because i came from these circumstances doesn't mean i can't go from here to here 100 because and because God is good. Yeah. God is good. God is love. Mm -hmm. And we're, and we're birthed out of that love. So it's kind of a beautiful thing. I love it. I love it. So what is one of your biggest challenges you're currently facing it currently facing? You could share whatever you feel comfortable and then how are you navigating it? Um, uncontrollable flatulence. <laughs> I'm constantly ripping ass everywhere I go. You know, I can't, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you know, you don't, you don't want to know how I'm, you know, trying to fix that. But anyway. No, I don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this quote unquote season of my life has definitely been a bit brutal. So like wedding planning has been pretty huge. Um, as well as, you know, and this is, this is a blessing in disguise to be honest, but like with, with work and everything, consultant has definitely been picking up. We're, we're working with several incredible brands and clients and everything. So work is picked up, wedding plans picked up. And then in addition to that, I'm managing one of the most important relationships in my life, which is with my fiance, Sam, um, and trying to fit everything else in, you know? So like, whether that's me time, uh, self-care time, uh, alone time, AT is what I call it. AT for me means alone time with God, mm -hmm. um, just to kind of like realign and, uh, resituate essentially. Um, so th that's been kind of the biggest challenge in this season of life. Um, and I think honestly, there, there's no kind of, uh, beating around the bush about this. The best way that I've encountered this and helped reduce the challenge is by just forming a schedule mm -hmm. um, and like very kind of like I understand like there's a the power of mindset and just do what you got to do do what you got to do but they're also very practical applications and tangible tools that help um, so actually you know proper goal setting uh, making sure they're achievable achievable making sure that they're realistic and then adhering to a schedule uh, and just like check the, the physical act of checking stuff off your list, you know? So that's how I've been kind of working through this season's challenge. It's just by doing, doing what I got to do step by step. And so 
what I kind of heard you say, it's like it's been a little bit of a challenge to have that balance with so many moving pieces. Mm -hmm. And something that's been helping you is making a checklist. Um, I also believe in checklists, checklists and calendaring. But what's a, what's a other tools that you use to help you stay in balance? Uh, AT. Is, a long is, time. Yeah, is the biggest one. And is there really balance? Uh, no. Yeah, I was. I, I've I've had this um, conversation before, where some people say, you know, there really isn't a balance. Either you're kind of spending more time um, in your personal life, more time in your business, but then everything gets done, and there's never really a balance. It kind of is constantly like this. I, I agree with that. Yeah, which is okay. 100%. Which because yeah, there there are competing priorities at different times in your life, and that's just the way it is. So you prioritize what you got to prioritize. Um, right. Even you made you made me think of this. Um, you know how people like everything, you know, in moderation, right? What about moderation and moderation? Maybe maybe it's okay to go, you know, extreme on something you're extremely passionate about. And I get like when people say like, "How about that in moderation?" They're talking about deleterious things, things that can have damaging effects, you know, on your relationships, on you, whatever. But it's okay, I think, to be fervently passionate and go all in on things, especially, you know, so it's like even moderation needs to be moderated and tempered sometimes. I um, agree. And you yeah. get to choose, you know, you 100%. get to choose. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, and, um, you know, step in if you can relate to this. Like sometimes there's something that I'm really passionate about and I want to spend all my time there and that's my choice. And I do. And um, you know this about me in the summertime. I was like Nish, because Nish is actually my marketing strategist. Yeah. Nish, I'm all, it's summer. I'm gonna do the bare, you know, the the basics because I'm gonna put all my focus on fun family friends. And yeah. I went balls to the wall there. Mm -hmm. You know, this was at a minimum, and this was at you know like the all in. And right. then we came out of the summer. I'm like, okay, now this is gonna be you know the partying is gonna be at a minimum, and yeah. balls to the wall with the businesses. Yeah. Hundred percent. You know, um, and it works. It works, and I mean that's that's the beauty of life, right? You've got this juxtaposition between kind of the extremes and then the moderates, mm -hmm. and they meld together perfectly. So, yeah. So here's a question: um, You you know you're in a different part of your life now. Have you noticed that there have been some things that you've had that have had to fall away, or you've had to give up as you move forward? in this new part, in this new phase of your life? I'm not partying as much and I'm not wearing my daddy hat as much. <laughs> but thank you for wearing the daddy hat for me today. Yeah, yeah. A little story for those watching. Uh, Grace, well, I used to wear this during our Zoom meetings with Grace and Grace used to call me daddy endearingly. Uh, so I decided to bring it back. I stopped wearing it ever since I met my fiance. So, so there's that. Um, but yeah, no, honestly, I think giving up uh, the the party lifestyle a little bit just because now they're like competing priorities mm -hmm. and the priority right now is obviously a relationship. Back then, you know, when I was going out, it was to socialize. It was, you know, to, to meet whoever I meet, whatever. Um, and now it's, it's not that as much. Um, that said, I think like. I don't, I don't see it so much as self-sacrifice because 
I think there's a, like a more powerful motive and a more powerful force in that. And that's just like genuine love for the other person. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't seem like a chore and it doesn't seem like, oh, okay, gosh, this is, this is a pain in the ass, but I guess I'll give this up, you know, for so-and-so. Mm, I love that because like you said, it goes back to that unconditional love. Yeah. When you have that unconditional love and caring for someone, you're not sacrificing you're doing it from a place of love. Yeah. And I, I find that when when you're grounded in yourself and know who you are, it's easier to be unconditionally loving to someone else. Absolutely. Yeah, because you're you're filled up, right? You're filled up to the brim, so it doesn't seem like you're depleting your resources. Exactly. And also what I've learned is if I complete myself, I'm not... Um, fighting you know with outside circumstances to complete me because that's not fair facts and so what is you know for anyone who's you know for those who are watching what's one piece of relationship advice you'd like to share mm. that that your significant other should not be the most important relationship in your life uh and i say that because my personal experience my strongest relationship, most important relationship in my, in my life is my relationship with God. And because I'm not putting the weight of expectation on my significant other, they don't have the power to let me down mm -hmm. and they don't have the power to devastate me. They don't have the power to annoy me, irritate me, not meet my expectations. I already said that. Um, but as, as, uh, as countercultural as that piece of advice may seem, like I stick to it. You know, I tell Sam all the time, like, listen, like, I love you. This is not the most important relationship in my life. And it's not in a weird way, like, oh, you're not the most important to me. But it's just like, listen, I value my relationship with God. And because of that, I'm allowed, not allowed, but I'm empowered to be the best husband to you mm. as possible. You know, and she totally gets that. And it's vice versa for her. She she feels the same exact way. Um, I think when you make your significant other, uh, even though it may seem intuitive, um, if you make them the Lord of your life and like the epicenter of your life, there's there's going to be a lot of tumultuous times in your relationship because you're you're drawing your identity from that individual, and that individual isn't perfect. So why like put that expectation on them? You know, so. I agree with you 1000%. And, and you know this, recently I married um, my cousin and her fiance. Mm. And one thing that I communicated was in those moments that you feel disconnected from each other, it's not that you're disconnected from each other, it's that you're disconnected from God, from source. Go back to mm. God and yourself and that'll help bring you back together. And I agree, with you, the most important relationship is the relationship with ourselves and God, our higher power. And we shouldn't um, set these heavy expectations and draw our identity from anyone else. Yeah. Because that will set us up for failure for sure. 100%. Yeah, I love it. I'm going to kind of see what people are saying, Nish. Yeah, 100%. Um, Tammy Control says, I love that, Nish. You can't draw your identity from another. Also, you cannot put that type of pressure in regards to your happiness on another. I Yes, 100%. Thanks, um, Tammy. Yeah. Fridia says, God is a source of our lacking, like we, we talked about earlier. And um, let's see, what did Oscar say? 
So um, Oscar's asking, Nish, you have a very interesting story, and I feel like we share similar experiences. Question, your time grow up in, growing up in India, did you experience or see the caste system that I've read so much about? Do you, are you open to speak on that? Yeah, 100% mm -hmm. witnessed it. Yeah, it's, it's insane because, like, um, I mean, we weren't super well off, but we were well off considering, so we're more like middle class, mm -hmm. but literally a street down and you've got homeless people on the sidewalk. You've got like cow shit everywhere, depending on where you are, but the caste system is, is, is it's a reality. Um, that's another reason like why I love living here is because every individual has the same exact value uh, and the individual is sovereign, right? And that's an established belief of this country where the individual is sovereign um, and everybody has the same value. Uh, with other countries, like in India, um, there is a caste system and it's just like, if you're born into the wrong family, you're shit out of luck, you know? And if you're born in the right family, you're, you're set. And it's almost like you get desensitized too because there's there's so much homeless, like, you just get desensitized to the struggle that people are going through. It just, it's, it's part of the landscape. Mm -hmm. Oh, another homeless person. It just you know? conditioned. Like you said, it's part of the landscape. Just yeah. And it, and it's really sad, but it, the caste system is, it's very real. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate. It is. It is. It has been super fun having you on today. Thank you. We, we definitely kept it real and raw, which I love. And for those of um, for those who are watching, if they want to get a hold of you, where they where can they find you, Nish? Yeah, if you'd like to email me directly, my email is nish at consultment.agency. And consultant is spelled C-O-N-S-U-L-T-M-E-N-T dot agency. Uh, you can also visit our website, consultment.agency. That's just the website. Uh, yeah, and feel free to drop me a note. Grace, it's been a pleasure. You are the best host, without a doubt. You're I enjoy nice. this real talk. You're too nice. You're too nice. That was super fun. Thank you so much for coming on. I know I'm going to um, have you come on again on our new show that's going to be starting on October 5th on the first and third Tuesdays of the month where we're going to share entrepreneurial tips. So we'll have Nish come and join us there um, a few Tuesdays here and there. So I'm excited about that. If you have any questions, definitely leave them in the comments. We'll come back and look at them. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share and rate that definitely will be helpful. And until the next time, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. And we wish you the best the rest of the day. Thank you guys so much and make it a great day. Hey, love. Thank you so much for listening today. I am so grateful for you. I'd like to show you my appreciation by gifting you a free forgiveness self-hypnosis audio download. Part of living the fun and fabulous life is practicing forgiveness. Forgiveness can be such a long and challenging process. My intention is that this forgiveness audio will help you in practicing forgiveness, especially with yourself. Grab it by visiting daretoachieve.com backslash forgiveness. For more inspiring tips, make sure to connect with me on social media. Drop me a line on Facebook or Instagram at Grace Redmond Dare to Achieve. Until next time, keep moving forward towards living your fabulous life.